Praise the Lord. Welcome everyone to my podcast. My name is Pastor Edwin. We are here on part two of Look in the Mirror. Faith Builder, OSL Level 1 Faith Builder. Um, still the series of uh, being right with God. And the lesson is Look in the Mirror. And we are going into part two. But quickly, let's open up in prayer and uh, invite the Lord to be with us in this moment in time. Heavenly Father, I come to you with an open heart, thanking you for the breath of life that you freely give to each and every one of us. Thank you for those that are listening, Father, those that are uh, tuning into this podcast, either through the classroom or just for um, other purposes, Lord, for research, for um, uh, all the things that you require us to get closer to you, Lord. I thank you for the ministry. Um, of Jerry Dearman to allow us to come together and use this to um, reach communities in our whichever community we're working with and the culture that we're dealing with today in this time, Lord. We thank you for your blessings. We thank you for for the nurturing, Lord, that you give to us through your holy word. We thank you for the Bible. We thank you for your son. We thank you for the Holy Spirit. We thank you, Father, for us being able to have this um, type of uh, um, recording that we can reach those not just in person, but also those that cannot make it in person, but always giving us the time to, uh, or the um, the tools to reach those that need, Lord. Constantly, always for your glory. We're praying, Lord. We bless you, and we thank you in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Okay, so thank you guys for being here. Hopefully, you guys got your pads out, your pens and, and tabs, and uh, prepared to type or prepared to write down some notes as you go along. Like I said in the beginning of this series here, of this uh, um, session, of this lesson, um, that it was going to be a very intense, strong um, lesson here. We're going to go dive deeper into it. Hopefully, we'll finish up this part today. So that way we can have um, a quick run, a straight run right through, okay? So we left off on talking about fellowshipping with God and breaking that fellowship um, uh, only because we're, we would be disobedient, but that we're still in relationship to him because our relation was not based on how we did things or how good we were. It was based on our faith and what Jesus has already done for each and every one of us. Um, but it is good and important that we do not sin, that we come from it. And uh, as Christ said, that we can overcome. Um, I wholeheartedly believe this. If we allow just a little bit of sin to enter our minds, the thought of it, um, again, that was another lesson in the place of temptation. If we decide to go around and, and fool ourselves that we're strong enough to try and go around those things, then we're going to end up failing. Um, so we have to look at those things in life. Um, if it's an addiction, if it's, uh, uh, something that not just drugs, but any kind of addiction that you may have, it could be, um, a porn addiction. It could be a gaming addiction, or it can be a food addiction. It can be any kind of addiction along with the, uh, the addiction of drugs and alcohol, which we all believe that these are all spirits of demon, demonic spirits that, um, that uh, try to hinder us from coming closer to the Father or even remaining in Him, with Him, uh, listening and hearing what He wants us to, to do and say. So, of course, if we listen to sin, then we're not living for Christ. We're living, again, the old life, 
that we have um, died to and have resurrected in the name of Jesus by being baptized and, and baptized by the Holy Spirit so we can live for him and have that power and authority as he claimed and said that we could all have. All right, so definitely we don't want to live in sin so we can overcome. Uh, we're going to talk more, some more about that in the rest of this series um, and how to overcome for us that have dealt with addictions you have you that have dealt with sin and bondage i'm going to show you how to get free from all that we're going to walk right through it and there's no reason for a christian to stay in bondage see um to 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 keep sinning there's no reason for it. i don't care whether it, it's a sin a sexual sin or a drug sin or eating sin like i said it doesn't make any difference there's no need for you to stay in bondage to sin any kind of sin you don't need to stay in bondage. You can overcome. You can be free from it. And there is a process that the Bible shows us of how we can get free with that. You see, and when we start talking about things like this, it reminds me of how uh, certain ministries uh, or other people that are in ministries don't agree to going into this in-depth detail. Well, it just makes me question, are they really have they really looked at this or have they ever struggled with something like this too where god has put it on their plate to say hey this is how you're going to do things okay so anyway this is those are people that we have to pray for that's why we pray for this ministry to continue reaching the, the thousands the the many people that it has already for so many years over 20 years already so the first one thing is seeing you, who you really are, as we spoke of that, looking in the mirror, and seeing who you really are. Because as long as you see yourself as the sinner, as the loser, you continue to go out there and get thrown to the mat with that same old sin. But you got to see that that's not who you are. You're not a sinner anymore. See? You're the righteousness of God. You're the righteousness of God in Christ. And then you begin to think of yourself as righteous and begin to think righteous, righteously, you know, and expect yourself to do right before the Lord. See, so let's, um, we're looking, if you turn your Bible over to John chapter 1, and that's where we left off, okay, in John chapter 1. And I'd like you to take a look over at John chapter 1, verse 9. John chapter 1, verse 9. Verse 9 says, that was the true light which gives light to every man coming into the world. And if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. 1 John chapter 1, I'm sorry, I said John, I'm so sorry. It's 1 John chapter 1 verse 9, okay? I apologize for that. So 1 John chapter 1 verse 9 if we confess our sins he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness and you think about that to cleanse us from all unrighteousness those are the sins that make us unrighteous so every time we feed into a sin we become unrighteous in other words when we do sin and fellowship is broken if we'll come and confess it to God, notice he didn't say ask for forgiveness. Not that that's a bad thing, but that's not just, that's just not what he said. Okay, he said confess sins. And in the context there, he's saying don't hide it. Don't act like you didn't sin. 
Don't forget about it either because we'll do that, but it lingers and it stays with us. Don't think, well, if I don't say anything, maybe God didn't catch that one. No, he, he's definitely caught it. He definitely caught it. He saw it. And he um, definitely, definitely, definitely responded to it. He saw you. So just fess up. Let him know, God, that's a sin. Because listen, if you come into the throne room of God and there's sin in your life and you don't admit that it's sin, well, if you don't admit that it's a sin, then you're not admitting it under the blood of Jesus that cleanses sin. See? But when you come and confess that sin, your attorney, the Lord Jesus, instantly turns to the judge and says, Oh yeah, he said that sin. It is sin. Sin's covered under the crucifixion clause and is washed by the blood. The judge says, cleansed, innocent, justified right there. Okay? Keep no record. Listen. But to be accepted in fellowship and communication so that we can move on with life and get things done for the kingdom with God's power and God's help. So how can we do that right there? Write this down. God, uh, um, get things done for the kingdom with God's power and God's help. Get things done for the kingdom with God's power and God's help. I want you to look at that closely because God doesn't keep a record. Like I said, he forgets. He forgives and forgets. Not because he's he's um, absent-minded. He chooses not to remember our sins. Because why would he hold on to a thoughts or whatever, of anything of sin? He hates sin. He doesn't like sin. He doesn't love sin. There's people telling me that I've I've read one several things about people trying to convince other Christians that God loves Satan. Satan is completely against God the Father, against the heaven, against the Son and the Holy Spirit. He has demons coming against the kingdom of God. He has his own kingdom. And you think about this and you know this because you've been educated through with by the Holy Spirit, giving you wisdom. And through his holy word, you don't see anything in there that says that God loves Satan. You see things that say to you, God hates sin, and he doesn't um, approve or side with darkness. That light and darkness cannot coexist. It's either good or evil, right? So who is evil? Satan. Who's the liar? Satan. So when you hear people talking about that God keeps record, he's got a little book and he's going to hit you with it or whatever, or he's punishing you, or even that he loves Satan. And the reason they say that is because he didn't destroy him. There's other reasons to that. We're not into that lesson here, but there's other reasons why he did not destroy him when he should have. But is he destroyed? Anyway, listen. To be accepted in fellowship, like we said, and in communication with God so that we can move on with life and help other people and, again, get things done for the kingdom with God's power and God's help, we need to understand that we can do this. We need to know that we are cleansed, confessing your sins. When you do something wrong, you come against it, go to Father God quickly in prayer. You don't have to make this big scene of it. Just quickly uh, talk to him under your breath right there wherever you at oh father god forgive me for this you know it doesn't matter see so just because 
you're a Christian, that doesn't mean you can overcome anything in life. It doesn't. If, if you're walking out of fellowship with out of fellowship with God, you need to be both in relationship and fellowship. A great marriage is not just having a piece of paper, but it's the enjoyment. And that takes effort, doesn't it? It sure does. And that takes confessing when you've said, hey, I'm wrong, then you're wrong. And I take humility, and without humility, there will be no good marriage. <clears throat> Bottom line, did you, did you hear what I said? With humility, there will be no good marriage. I feel like I've apologized a million times. You know why? Because I decided I'm, I'm, not, I'm not going to value winning arguments. I'm going to value winning my wife. I want her fellowship. I want her to enjoy being around me, and I want to enjoy being around her as well. And that doesn't it doesn't help that, but humility does. Okay, pride does not help it at all. Humility helps it. Humility says I'm wrong. Not that you admit you're wrong when you really don't believe you're wrong. See, if you really don't believe you're wrong, and you're admitting you're wrong. You know, it, you're going to get a, a different reaction. You're not actually admitting that you're wrong, but you're willing to say, hey, you know what? I, I may have reacted wrongly to you I'm, uh, this evening, though, what we're discussing that I may not feel wrong about the way I came across to you could be very wrong. How many of you understand what I'm talking about here? I mean, you think about that. And humility gives place to forgiveness and restoration of fellowship. And that's fine. That, that is fine. Thank God. Thank God. Now, I want you to turn over to chapter 3 in First John. And let's look down, okay? Um, ba -ba 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 -ba. Yes. Chapter 3 in First John, okay? Okay, so hold your finger there because, you know, and, and now Paul is going to explain, well, James said, Look into the perfect law of liberty and mirror, right? Well, that's what we're doing. Let's look into the mirror here and look at our spirit just a little bit, okay? Let's look at our spirit a little bit. In 1 John chapter 3, um, come down to the ninth verse, and it says here, it says, Whoever has been born of God does not sin, for his seed remains in him, and he cannot sin because he has been born of God. If you notice in your in verse 9 in your Bible how it says his seed, look at his seed again. It's capital H. That means God's seed. Jesus' seed remains in him and cannot sin because he has been born of God. This is when we're reborn. That's why Jesus told Nicodemus, you cannot enter the kingdom of God or even see it if you are not reborn. And he didn't mean going back into the womb, right? You see what he talked about. He explained it to him. So here we got to we get to look at our spirit where it's at right now. And, and you start it gets clear as to the authority that you really have in Jesus Christ. See? So, I mean, look at it again. Whoever has been born of God does not sin. Does not sin. Is that us saying I'm not a sinner? No. It's saying that we're not intentionally sinning. We're not setting up the, the day. Uh, we're not planning to go into something and make it sinful. You see, we're not allowing sin to come into our lives. Um, because we are in this flesh that is sinful and, you know, it's of the world, 
Um, it, it, it's you're always going to have them thoughts of your past. You're going to have um, the desires of the flesh, and you can overcome by staying close to God. Right? Okay. All right. Put it this way: you don't know how to swim. And to you, swimming could mean you dying, right? Because you don't know how to swim. So think of the swimming for you being a sin in your life. You don't want to die spiritually if you commit a sin intentionally. So you're not going to intentionally throw yourself into a lake knowing you cannot swim, knowing that you're going to die. Think about that, okay? Think about you're not going to intentionally, you can't swim, but you're not going to throw yourself or jump into a lake and possibly drown and die because you cannot swim. So why, therefore, would you, I mean, would you want to intentionally sin when you know you're going to die spiritually? It's because of the flesh. The flesh will try to convince you to do so. The, the sinful part of you is the unintentional sins, okay? Uh, I've used this example before. Let's say you're driving down the road and um, you come to a, a, a traffic light and it's green all the way till you get really close and all of a sudden, bing, it turns yellow and red fast, right? And you're like, oh my goodness, I ate a red light. You didn't mean to eat that red light. You didn't plan to eat that red light. You didn't see the red light ahead of time and floored it. Said, I'm going to take this red light. That's intentional sinning. Unintentional sinning is you didn't plan on eating that red light, but you did, you see. And if you did plan it, you probably would have faced some kind of consequence. A cop would have just been right there. You see what I'm saying? Because that's what the games the enemy plays with you. And you would have gotten pulled over. Unintentionally, you're covered. You're still covered. It's not something that you did on purpose. And right there, you ask for forgiveness. Oh, Lord, my God, forgive me for doing that, for letting that happen. It was out of your control, but still you acknowledge, you you dive into humility, you know, you, you apologize, you confess to God that there was a sin. So unintentional sins have to be repented about. When you think of something and you weren't planning to think about it, but it popped in your mind like, oh, Lord, forgive me for that thought. Cleanse my mind. I don't want to keep that in my mind because it'll stay in your mind, you see. And when you're all alone and you're not doing anything, the devil sees that. He's like, uh-huh, <laughs> you didn't repent about that thing you were thinking about. So let me, let me, not that he can really see your mind, but he'll put things there, you see. There's something just not right. And what they see is what the the spiritual world sees. I want you to understand this is a part of where a light, a bright light. And when it flickers, it starts flickering. Something's wrong with that light, right? When you see a light bulb outside and it's flickering, that means it's going to either go out, it's time to change it, or adjusting, or it's loose, or something's wrong. Attention, attention. So that's just, this in the spiritual world, they see that light on us flickering like that. So there's something. So that's why those demons come to us and start to mess with us. You see what I'm saying? Because there's something wrong with that light. You know, Father God's light shines bright and strong all the time. The Holy Spirit and Jesus' light shines bright and strong strong all the time and so does ours if we continue to repent if we repent of those unintentional sins as well we give it to god okay all right look at it again whoever has been born of god does not sin i don't know about you but i used to read that and think oh no right that's one of those ones you know you just kind of want to skip right by and just keep moving on and that's what a lot of people end up doing they, they skip right by this part here 
where it says that if you're reborn, you're born of God and you do not sin, uh, how can you clearly understand it sounds almost like a contradiction to you right and surely to a lot of people it does but they don't want to come against the bible so they step away or they overlook it or even they don't even want to face the fact that they are sinners even if they're they're um not intentionally sinning this is the part you need to grasp understand it that you are a sinner we are all sinners but it doesn't mean that you're intentionally sinning there's a difference there okay there's a difference between sinning and on purpose and sinning unintentionally. So, well, no, we need to stop and look at whoever has been born of God does not sin while it gets worse. Look for his seed. God's seed remains in him and he cannot sin. Cannot sin because he'd been born of God. Let me mark that real quick here. So now not only says it says that if you're really born again, if you're really a Christian, then you don't say it goes on to say, not only that, if you're really a Christian, you can't sin. Well, as I explained, all, all I, as well as stand up, go home. We might as well just go. We're, you know, what are we going to learn? Let's go bowling and do something else. Because if we're going to admit that we're not sinners, then we're wasting our time here. If we're gonna, not going to understand and see that we are sinners then we might as well pack it in and forget it. You know, we're, we're just not telling God, all right, I, I admit to what you're telling me. See, I need you to gain this understanding. God wants us to understand it clearly that there is an intentional sin and unintentional sin because of our flesh. Not, not because of spirit. Remember, James talked about the, the flesh is weak and the spirit is willing. The spirit is stronger than the flesh, but we have to feed our spirit. We have to feed our spirit with the word of God, with prayer, humility, all these things that Christ did, how he strengthened his brothers that were around him and also his sisters that were around him for them to go out and make disciples through faith, right? We don't receive it no other way. We nothing we can do to gain that. That's not what I'm saying. You got to do all these things. No, that's not what I'm saying. This isn't a religion. This is a relationship. And you put some work and have faith in a relationship and you work on that, right? So your faith and your works come together. You know, you are righteous in these things. You can do this. Well, I mean, I can understand that the first part where it says they do not sin. But when it gets down to they cannot sin, and that's not a practice of saying there's an inability to sin. They cannot sin because they've been born of God. And see, this doesn't make sense, and we can all be condemned when we look at this until you stop and ask the question, well, who has been born of God? Now, let's stop and analyze it for a minute. It is your body that's been born of God? No, your body was born of your mama. You got the same body and you got the same mind, soul that you've had before. But what has been born of God? What part of you has been born of God? Your spirit. And this you should have already known because I, I did explain it. And whoever has been born of God does not sin for God's seed remains in him, not in your body, in your spirit. God's seed remains in your spirit. Remember we talked about Holy Spirit connecting with your spirit, with you. See, once you accept Jesus Christ, you get baptized with the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit connects with your spirit, which is you. And therefore, it starts. you start to grow. Your spirit starts to grow. In your spirit, God's seed, seed 
remains in him. And he, the spirit, man cannot sin because it's been born of God. Now, let me show you another reference, okay? Look over at Romans chapter 7. That is Romans uh, chapter 7, verse 14. Verse 14, and it says, For we know that the law is spiritual, but I am carnal, sold under sin. In this passage, a lot of people just skip this because it seems very confused in this passage, right? <laughs> does he seem very confusing? I mean, does it seem very confusing when you read that? But I want you to know he's, that Paul is not confused. He may seem confused and, and is drawing out or feeding or, or emitting out some confusion, but he's not. See, he is speaking by inspiration, the Holy Spirit. I'm not going to take much time on this, but I'm just going to tell you in in advance that Paul in this passage dissects himself into three parts, spirit, soul, and body. And if you don't see that he's separating or dividing himself up for clarification purposes, then you will totally think this guy skits. He, he's losing his marbles, right? I mean, he's all over the map. Well, listen, begin on verse 14, all right? Begin on verse 14, and let me read this through, okay? For we know that the law is spiritual, but I am carnal, sold under sin. For what am I doing? I do not understand. For what I will to do, that I do not practice. But what I hate, that I do. If then I do what I will not to do, I agree with the law that it is good. But now it is no longer I who do it, but sin. That dwells in me for i know that in me that is in my flesh nothing good dwells for to will is present with me but how to perform what is good i do not find for the good that i will to do i do not do but the evil i will not to do that i practice now if i do what i will not to do it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells in me. I find then a law that evil is present with me, the one who wills to do good, okay? For I delight in the law of God according to the inward man, but I see another law in my members, warring against the law of my mind and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin which is in my members. O wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? I thank God through Jesus Christ, our Lord. So then with the mind, I myself serve the law of God, but with the flesh, the law of sin. Now that you heard the explanation and you read this from verse 14, the rest of chapter 7 in Romans, you see how he's explaining everything. For we know that the law is spiritual, but I'm carnal, soul under sin. See, and what, what am I doing? He says he doesn't understand what's going on here. He just doesn't, I mean, not that he's saying he doesn't understand. It could be very confusing, but he's breaking it down. Like we said, like I explained to you that your flesh is the sin part of you. It's evil. It belongs to the world. See, it's become evil because of the sin, the sin in the world. Okay, flesh. All right. The desires that it has. But your spirit, on the other hand, wants to do the things that are good. But there's a war in your members that's in you, okay? 
in your flesh, there's a war, the inner body, the inner war that you have between your flesh and your spirit constantly. And the one that's going to win is the one you feed the most. So if you if you intentionally sin, then you're feeding your flesh. If you do the things of the Father, the things of God, then you're feeding your spirit and your spirit gets stronger and overcomes, overcomes. And this will come. Jesus did not lie when he said, you can overcome sin. See? And now, let me tell you, sometimes when the word, when Paul uses the word, I know he's talking about him as a whole person, but other times he's talking about him, the spirit man, the inner man, the born again person. And so he says this, the end of verse 15, for what I, what I, the spirit man will or want to do that I do not practice, but what I hate, you see, I do I mean, does anybody relate to that? Can you relate to that? I mean, think about this. This is a, um, a chapter in Romans you want to highlight. You want to go over this thing to, and read it again if you didn't understand it. If you can't understand my my uh, explanation, rewind. Listen to it again and read again. Listen to it again and read again. I'm going as slow as possible quickly so we can get through this. Okay. I do, uh, and the things that you're saying you want to serve God, but the things you do, you don't want to do. You end up doing those things, and the things that you do want to do, like reading your Bible, like praying, like being nice to people, you find yourself not being nice. You're you're thinking, what's going on here? There's a part of me that wants to serve God. How many of you know that? Uh, exactly what I'm talking about here. Inside, you want to serve God, but there's something else going on. And besides that, okay, conflicting, that that's conflicting with what you want to do. Oh, man, I want to serve God. I want to go, oh, I want to do something with my life. Oh, God, use me. You start talking like this. Lord, help me. God, make something of me. Let me touch people. God, you know, and then you walk out and you do all kinds of other crazy stuff, things, and, and you're thinking, what's going on here? I'm asking God, Lord, do it. God, I'm here. I want to do right, but I'm doing all this other stuff. And sometimes it seems like while I'm praying, I'm already thinking of something bad to do. Other thoughts besides praying come to mind, and I want to get out of it. You're thinking of excuses to get out of it. And so Paul said he goes through that. He said, man, what, what I want to do, I'm not doing. And what I hate to do, that's what I end up doing. See, because in verse 16, if then I do what this I spirit, my spirit man will not to do or don't want to do, I agree with the law that is good. But now listen, it is no longer I who do it. Listen to this part. He says, it is no longer I who do it but sin that dwells in me. That sounds weird if you don't understand what he's talking about. The stuff that I do, it's not I that do it, but it's in the dwells what dwells in me, but not me. It dwells in me. Yeah, you're thinking, dude, give me another hit of that, dude, you know, whatever it is he's got, because there's something going on there, but you can follow this. Walk out and say, man, that that man, he's he's right there, you know. I'm I'm gonna invite him over, uh, you know, because I need to understand where he's coming from, and you can't do that, you know. So I have, you know, this thing. I, um, let me see here. So 
sometimes you laugh at those things and you wonder, okay, ah, this dude's confused and you want to pass through it, right? How many of you can agree to that or admit that when you've come to this part in Romans, you're like, oh, it's so confusing. What does he mean? Some people circle it and they say, well, I'll get back to it. But, you know, you never get back to it. But here's a chance to get back to those things. And Paul said what? In verse 17, Paul said, what I am doing as when I am a whole person, I'm doing what I, the spirit man, don't want to do. He said, I recognize it's not me, the spirit man anymore, that there's sin in another part of me. And I'm struggling to get this other part or these other parts of me to comply with this new heart that I have, this new spirit that I have, that yearns and wants to do right before God. And so he goes on, notice verse 18, for I know that in me, and then he clarifies it, right? He says, that is my flesh, nothing good dwells. For two, for two will it is present with me, the spirit. But how to perform what is good, I do not find for the good that I spirit will to do i do not do but the evil that i in the spirit will not to do that is that is a whole person practice okay now if i do what i the spirit will not to do it is no longer i the spirit who do it remember your spirit a living spirit but sin that dwells in me can you see that notice here that paul has learned not to condemn him the spirit himself, the spirit man, and feel like I can't do it. He said, I'm not the one doing that. That does not mean that he is absolving himself from responsibility for what's going on in his life, but he's just clarifying that it, that this sin that's going on with my mind and my body, and I'm still struggling with this stuff, is not the least bit coming from, nor, nor affecting my spirit who has been born of God. I'm still right with God in my spirit, and my spirit the whole time. I'm sitting there saying, no, don't do that. No, I don't want to do that. We do that. We don't do that anymore. That's what's wrong. That it's wrong. Don't do that. But my mind pushes and my body pushes. I want to do it. The flesh pushes. I want to do it. Makes it look all good and tries to make you feel like, yeah, you, you can do it. It's okay. And Paul says, I get over, I, I, I can overcome with, with, I can overcome with this stuff, but I'm still on the insights. Okay, and I don't want to do this calling out to God, saying, help me, God. I don't want to do this. This is the struggle of a Christian. This is a struggle of the Christian. So you can mark Romans chapter 7, and I tell you, this is, and, and note it, the struggle of a Christian. And so he goes on in verse 22, okay, and he says, for I delight in the law of God according to the inward man. According to the inward. And that's your spirit, the inward man. I delight in the law of God according to the inward man. But I see another law in my members. Mm -hmm. You see another law in my members. You got to really, this is why this title, we decided to call it Look in the Mirror. Because when you really look in the mirror, what are you seeing? You know, if you're seeing yourself, then 
This that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about looking in the scripture, in the Bible. When you're reading it, you see yourself in the stories. You see things that you've done. You've seen that you should correct things. This is God talking to you. So your spirit is showing you something here. You are looking in the mirror. You're looking at what Christ wants you to see. Okay. I delight in the law of God according to the inward man, but I see another law in my memory. Does this say, okay, it's okay for me to sin? No, because you're not intentionally sinning. Because if you're intentionally sinning, if you're going out and saying yes, yes, yes to Satan and yes, yes, yes to sin, then you're not reborn. You're a false convert. You're not. Okay, the body warring against the law of your mind, your soul, and bringing me into captivity to the law. This is what he's saying of sin, which is in my members. The captivity to the law of sin. Trying to bring it. There's a war inside of you, which is in my members. Inside of you, which is in your members. Oh, wretched man that I am, Paul says. You know what he just said? He quoted Cindy. I'm jacked up. See, I'm jacked up. There's what he said. I'm all messed up. And yet he's a Christian. He's a believer. Oh, wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death, this flesh? Christ will. We know this, right? Christ will will deliver us from it. Well, yeah, he does. And when when we get to the end and our bodies are changed, let me tell you, it's going to be a different world for us. Because no longer will we have this desire to disobey God in the flesh. All of a sudden, we'll have this body that is no longer drawn magnetically to sin. And it'll just follow our spirit just easily. That's going to be good, right? I mean, think about that. It's going to be good where you don't have to feed into that sin. You know, if you're dealing with smoking or anything at all, even the smallest thing of smoking, you're thinking to yourself, the first thing you get up in the morning is you want to light that cigarette. That's your flesh. That's not your spirit. Your spirit is not enjoying the fact that you're smoking a cigarette because it knows it's going to make our body, the, the flesh, sick. And you know what I mean? It's going to come against those things that God created. So thank God that's, that's going to be good now when we get transformed. Now look at verse 25. Here's what Paul said he's going to do. I thank God through Jesus Christ, our Lord. So then with the mind, I myself guess... With the mind, I myself, spirit man, said, I'm going to reach over and I'm going to grab my mind with the mind. I myself serve the law of God, but with the flesh, the law of sin. Let me tell you something. You can do something about this. You can do something about your mind in terms of renewing your mind to the word of God little by little. You can change the way you think. You can control your body. But you cannot change the desires of the flesh. That you cannot do. You're not God. It is always going to want to be pleased. I mean, I want to lay down. I want to eat. I want to eat. I want to, I want to eat chocolate. I want ice cream. I want to eat more chocolate. Right? That's the flesh. He said the flesh is the flesh. And in the flesh, you can't just get the flesh not to want to do what it wants to do. But you can train the flesh to go along with you more. If you exercise and exercise consistently for a long time, your flesh won't give you as hard of a time exercising, but it won't do it for you. It will not do it for you. You understand this? Uh, I hope you guys are getting this. It's still going to be tempting. 
All right, you're not going to get rid of temptation. Temptation is always going to be there. And while you're training your body to follow your spirit, the temptations are going to get stronger. This is the battle, the struggle of a Christian that people do not realize. You know, and they say, oh, this is too hard to follow Christ. And people feel they're under the rules. And, and see, that's where religion, religion takes this type of thing away from you. And they just say, oh, let me handle it. You just sit back. You know, God knows your heart. You sit back, let me do it. No, there's work that needs to be done. You may have the exercise thing down. And then some other temptation comes and goes. And you're thinking, now I thought we had this under control. You don't always have it under control. You've got to watch it at all the, t- all the time. Now notice verse 1 of chapter 8. Okay, there is... Verse 1 of chapter 8, there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. Does this all make sense to you? Is it all making sense to you? And that's when John's talking about, and Paul clarifies here what he's talking about. Now listen, again, he clears it out in verse 8, because for years and years, verse 8 was not as exciting to me as it should have been. At the first part, but it says second part, look, there is therefore now no condemnation. Now that you're saved, there's no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Now that's normally the part we quote, no condemnation. What does that mean? No condemnation. means there's no feeling bad. There's nobody telling you you're bad anymore. There's God. There's God is not, and God's not telling you. God is not telling you you're bad. Okay? You're wrong. You're sinful. There's no, oh, you're condemned all. You're, you're bad. No. You're on God's or, or nothing like, um, you're on God's bad side. In other words, you're going to hell. You're doomed, condemned, guilty. He says no, because your spirit was born. Again, none of that makes sense. None of this part or now you no longer have to believe this. These are people that don't understand clearly what it is that Paul's talking about in Romans. These are people, even some ministers that walk right over it because maybe they weren't called to the pulpit. Maybe they weren't called to do this and they were placed in there and they don't have that, what God has given to them. Okay, They still have to go through it and open up and also believe in these things. He says, no, because your spirit was born again, even though your flesh still has a problem and your mind has a problem. Because you're the spirit man. There's no condemnation anymore because when God looks at you, We've mentioned this before. When God looks at you, he looks past your old uh, uh, flesh and past your mind that still thinks wrong and looks at your spirit. And God is spirit. And he says, my baby spirit, right? Look, spirit be God. Spirit is there, right? So God is spirit. He loves babies, right? Just look cute. They look cute. Looking past the clothes that you're wearing, that are filthy and seeing the real you on the inside. He's looking past all this. He's looking past that flesh because that's kind of like a clothing that you're wearing that's covering your flesh. And Paul says, therefore, because it's not you that sins anymore, there is no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. God doesn't condemn you anymore. 
Even though you as a whole person are still struggling with sin, there's no condemnation. And you think, how can that be? If I'm standing and still having problems, how can there be no condemnation? Because God, God's looking at your spirit. That's why he's not judging you according to how good you are. If that was the case, we'd, be all, we'd all be doomed, right? We'd all be just done. There's no chance. But the way we got saved was God looked past all of that. God looked past all of those things and he saw the faith that we had in the Lord Jesus and what he did. And he accounted for us righteousness. Now he looks at us in the spirit and he says, you're, you're awesome, man. You're a bad dude. Come on, but you're gonna, uh, and you will, you're gonna grow and you will grow up to do great things for me. And he begins to coach our spirit. And he begins to encourage our spirit and say, come on, we're going to get some things done. And you may look at your flesh and you may look at your personality and you may look at the weaknesses that you have. But God looks past all that. And he says, oh, no, no, I see who you are. I see exactly who you are. This is who I created and you're going to get some things done. Come on, come on in for the kingdom. You're going to do this. You're not too young. You're not too old. You're not too ugly. You see what I'm saying? You're not too single. You're not too married. You're the righteousness of God. You're born into the family of God. You've got authority. You've got strength. You've got power. You've got strength and power and you've got God on your side. And you see what, you see what I'm talking about, what I'm saying here, right? Now listen to the last part of this. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. And for so many years, and I read that and thought, yeah, there's no condemnation. Those who are in Christ Jesus, who don't offer clean flesh and in mind, and I'm thinking that that ain't you. That's not you because you're still walking the flesh. You still struggle. You still sin. That disqualifies me. Well, if that disqualifies us because we have to not sin, then we're all disqualified and therefore we're all condemned because we all believe that we are sinners and we're sinners because of the flesh. But that can't be what he's talking about because this whole book of Romans is talking about not works, but grace. Mm -hmm. That's it. The whole Romans is talking about grace. We're not saved by works. We're saved by grace. And then we were reading through just recently, a few weeks ago, in our daily Bible reading in the book of Galatians, and the Lord pulled the shutter off my eyes and helped me to see. Now, I want you to hold your place to enrollment and look over at Galatians, just a couple books over to the right, in the second chapter of Galatians. But hold your place in Romans. Okay, so Galatians chapter 3 verse 3 and it says here are you so foolish having begun in the spirit are you now being made perfect by the flesh what he's talking about the reverse thing there's therefore no condemnation to those who are in christ jesus who do not walk according to the flesh but according to what the spirit the spirit not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. So if you're walking according to the Spirit, there's no condemnation. But if you walk according to flesh, there is condemnation. There is condemnation. See, Paul says to these Galatians, 
He says to the Galatians, Oh, you foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you that you should not obey the truth before whose eyes Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed among you, crucified, right? They received the Spirit by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith. And listen to what he's talking about. Did you receive the Holy Spirit by the works of the law, being good enough, or by hearing of faith? In verse 3, in verse 3, he says here, Are you so foolish? Okay. Are you so foolish? Having begun listening in the Spirit. What does that mean as to hearing the faith? So verse 1, I'll read it again. O foolish Galatians. Chapter 3 of Galatians, verse 1. O foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? that you should not obey the truth before those whose eyes Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed among you as crucified. This only I want to learn from you. Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? Are you so foolish, having begun in the Spirit and now being made perfect by the flesh? How does that work? That doesn't work that way, right? What does that mean? As to hearing the faith, not the works of the law. Having begun in the spirit. Now what is Romans 8 saying? Romans 8 says, verse 1, it says, There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. This is all that we're reading here back and forth. And we're, it's given us an understanding Who do not walk according to the flesh. We no longer, once we were born, we're no longer walking according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. Having. Are you so foolish? Having begun in the Spirit? Are you now being made perfect by the flesh? When you first got saved, you just believed that God would forgive you. And you begin to believe that you're saved now. But then after you are saved for a while, we begin to walk pretty good. Then you begin to depend on your walking good, right? Are you foolish if you turn back to your old ways? We serve God. Don't be foolish. And you're walking according to the flesh, how good you are, he said. But that's not how you started. You started on grace of God. On the grace of God that is so good to you. And he was merciful unto you for a sinner. For you being a sinner, and he forgave you and cleansed you and, you, and you were on top of the world because God forgave you. This is what he's telling us. But after you begin to do pretty good, you begin to depend on that. And Paul said, are you so foolish, having begun by faith, having begun thinking of your spirit? Man, being righteous? Now you're looking over at your soul and your flesh and determining whether or not you're good before God on how good you are? He said, that's foolish. Why would you do that? You didn't start off that way. Don't gravitate backwards. So he says, are you so foolish having begun in the spirit? Are you now being made perfect by the flesh? Have you suffered so many things in vain? If indeed it was in vain, therefore he's the supplies of the spirit. He who supplies the spirit to you works and miracles to you. Does he do it by the works of the law, by the hearing of faith? Now go back to Romans 8.1. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to flesh, but according to the spirit. How many you could read this over and over, and you're gonna get the same response. There is now no condemnation. Now in the original languages written this is word pea namoa is translated spirit. 
and the translators never know whether it's capitalized, capitalist spirit by the Holy Spirit, or just spirit, smallest. And by the context, they try to determine what he's talking about. Well, I don't believe, I don't believe verse 1 of chapter 8 is talking about the Holy Spirit, even though it doesn't matter, but because if you're walking according to the Spirit, you walk in, you walk in according to the Holy Spirit, because the Holy Spirit's in you. But in just spent the half of the chapter saying your spirit wants to do right before God, but the flesh doesn't and the mind doesn't. So he gets to verse 1 of chapter 8 and says, Therefore there is no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who don't walk after the flesh, but after the spirit. He's saying, if you will stop looking at your flesh and start looking in the mirror at the spirit and seeing yourself as the spirit and walking as the righteousness of God, walking as a forgiving person, walking as one whom God loves, walking as one whom God saved, even if you stumble, even if your flesh does stuff, your mind does stuff, there's no condemnation because it's not you. It's not what Paul, isn't that what Paul's saying here? It's no longer I who do it, but it's sin that dwells in me and other parts of me. Not that I'm not responsible. I still have to come and say, God, my flesh got out of hand and I sin and I'm responsible. So forgive me. But I know you, I, I, I didn't, I know you know I didn't do that. You understand this, what I'm saying? You might sound weird. It might sound weird, but you got to come back to this and look at it again. Do it. But let me tell you, it's accurate. This is what Paul is saying. It's accurate, accurate. That's my responsibility. He's saying, my mind thought wrong. My flesh got out of hand and I realized it. <clears throat> so I'm going to confess. I'm going to ask for forgiveness in these things because you're being responsible for yourself. You can go right to God and say, my flesh got out of hand. I realize that's my responsibility. Uh, my mind thought wrong. That's my responsibility. I got to reach over and take my mind and say, stop thinking that. Think this. I'm responsible. But you can come before God and say, but Lord, you know me. I didn't do that. You know I was inside the whole time saying, you guys better not do that. Knock it off. You guys, stop that. You see what I'm saying? Knock it off. And you guys, I mean, is your, your soul and your flesh. Knock it off. If we don't do that, we serve God. If we don't do that, we serve God. Now you hear what I'm saying about all these things. You know, we serve God. And God says, you're exactly right. If you walk according to your spirit, and begin to think of yourself as the righteousness of God, he said, then there's no condemnation. But if you get over into the flesh and begin to think of yourself in the flesh, then there is indeed condemnation because you're trying to be good enough, again, trying to work it out and feel guilty and everything. But how many of you know that's not who you are? Is that right? Listen to that. We're born again. We're right with God. We're in the spirit. Thank God. Thank God. Praise God. Let's say something, things before the Lord. And I'd, I'd like for you to close your eyes for the fake, sake of, uh, uh, for the sake of focusing on what we're talking about. We're seeing what we're talking about here, okay? We're seeing, we're looking into the perfect law of liberty. We're believing God. We're looking at ourselves in the mirror and at the glory of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Praise God at this time, okay? Bless you, Lord. Let's say this out loud together. And I want you to say it in faith as if you are declaring a new life for yourself. You're saying, this is the way I live from now on. I'm no longer going to walk under 
that guilt, I'm now beginning to walk in this grace in this new life that Jesus has given me. I mean, he forgave me and he loves me. Even when I mess up, he loves me. He sees my real heart. He sees who I really am and what I'm really trying to do. And he says, come on, just come tell me about it. I forgive you. But he sees it wasn't me. It wasn't the spirit. It was the flesh because I'm part of his family. I was born into his family. I'm like him. I have desires in my spirit like him. I want to do his will. See, let's say these together. Say, God, I believe your word. We've looked into the mirror. And I saw you, and I saw myself, the new me, my spirit, the righteousness of God, forgiven, clean, pure, looks like you. And as I continue to look, my whole being begins to look like you. I begin to act like you. I'm a new creation in Christ Jesus. I'm no longer a sinner. I, the spirit man, clean righteous before God. I am full of the Holy Spirit. I have authority over all the power of the enemy, and I have the right to use the name of Jesus against any demon, against any sickness, against any adversary or opponent coming against me. I say in Jesus' name, I will do great things for God because God doesn't look at my flesh. God looks at my spirit. God looks at my heart. And he sees inside that I don't want to serve sin. I don't want to do the old things. Sometimes I do them, but I don't want to do them anymore. And God sees my heart. When he trusts me, he believes in me. He's given me an assignment to do on earth I am who God has called me to be. I will accomplish what he's called me to do. No one can stop me. Not Satan or demons or any human being. No one can stop me. Because if God is for me, who can be against me? He fights for me. My enemies may come one way, but they'll flee seven ways. Because God scatters them on my behalf. I see myself as the righteousness of God. Clean before God. Even when I sin, my spirit's still clean. And I can come to God and receive restored fellowship by confessing those sins. But the whole process, I was still clean. I was still righteous. And God looks at my spirit. So from this day forward, I see myself as a spirit born into the family of God with no condemnation, absolutely no guilt, no fear, because God is in me. God is with me. He's on my side. I see myself and the way he sees me and that's the way I'll walk from this day forward in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise the Lord.